Good morning, wherever you are. This is Dr. T. I'm an early bird, but I can, I don't know. I used to be a, a lark. I still am a lark. That means you get up early, go right to it. You're pretty much awake, ready to exercise, ready to have, you know, you're ready for the day. And then I, when I had my firstborn, she didn't sleep. And when she didn't sleep, I was in the middle of the night all the time. And my mother had always said when I was growing up, Tevo, unless you have eight hours of sleep, you're going to be cranky. And so I, that mantra played, you know, my mother had said it over and over when I was growing up, like eight or nine or whatever. And she said, unless you get your sleep, you'll be cranky. So I felt so bad. I was feeling jagged. I'd lost my dad and stuff. And also my baby was so wonderful, but she wouldn't sleep. Turned out she's just, uh, she was a lark. She was an owl. That means she would sleep when she got to be uh, nine or ten, puberty hit. She could stay up all night and then sleep and wake up at four in the afternoon, three in the afternoon if she had, you know, a holiday or could, you know. She wasn't lazy. She was just used her energy at night. So when she was in her, you know, before one years old and not sleeping for two years like that, I was feeling guilty. I felt, man, I'm always dragging. And then one night I was up in the night rocking her and I had the TV on. And back in those days, there was a 700 commercial on the Christian TV. And it said, it was a lady rocking her baby. And, you know, I would use that time. I felt like I need to redeem the time. When I'm up, I'm going to redeem the time. The devil wants to wear me out. I'm going to just use this time. And I remembered what my grandmother had said. My grandmother on my mother's side was a prayer warrior. And she said, Tavo, God is a gentleman. He'll never control you. He'll never do anything that will hurt you. And I thought, you know, if I can believe God is so big, he doesn't want me to be hurt or worn down by having a new baby. And it was very difficult because I wasn't, you know, first time mother and had some postpartum depression and my father died, my grandmother died, one car, all these things. But what that did was I thought, I'm going to trust God that I do not have to have eight hours of sleep. So I believe God and would use the be cheerful, you know, with slow but cheerful and pray in the night. And that's what started me interceding and praying, really started the ministry. And so the baby, who was wonderful and smart, uh, it was like a challenge, but it was a God's gift in many ways. So I got cured of my need for eight hours. Ever since then, decades ago now, I am a lark. I am an owl when need to be. So what I do is sort of I wake up ready at three o'clock, 345. I can, you know, put the coffee on or go get coffee. I usually like to go to see people so I can work in the barista fellowship, as I called them. And then I, around 11 o'clock, I'll go finish up and work out and do my thing and run errands, hear God, and so forth. But I just, it's been God's gift. And so what I've done is I've had plenty of time to really evaluate leadership. I've had plenty of time to mull over authority, governmental authority, teaching of Bible authority, because I've seen, as my call was at age 24, before I had children, to study the body of Christ, 
all the colors, all the styles that believe the Bible, that were born again, and know their music, their pet peeves, their doctrines. And then one day the Lord said, I'm going to have you build bridges between the parts of the body. So I've been like this, just curious, puzzling and examining, but enjoying it. Enjoying, I like the verse, I like to see what God does through different groups and ministries. It's been fun, mostly. Really, it is. It has been fun. So, um, and then I found out, you know, I was always drawn to take a stand against racism. Just from my early age on. Prior to public ministry, I was always in ministry from 18 on and evangelist witnessing around and then got involved in repentance meetings and cross-racial healing in Richmond area for a while and then had my own ministry. But I never had any issue about authority because I was raised so well. I was raised by kind parents, thoughtful parents, people that had self-control, uh, knew right from wrong. Uh, they weren't under the law. They had fun. They were merry. And then there was a the natural order you picked up as a Baptist, Baptist pastor's daughter. They weren't over strict. I never did rebel. One reason is my mom was so strict. <laughs> I was scared to. And like that was prayed up. All these people, prayer warriors, grandmothers and my mother and my dad. And so I just grew up with a fear of the Lord. In fact, I was such a fear of the Lord, not my mother, but it was just like I had to get over not being scared of God. And I always had best friends that were Catholic. And I realized, why do I like Catholics and they like me? And a lot of Catholics have a terror of the Lord. And I had a terror of the Lord. That was not a healthy terror, but it was respect. And then I got over it, of course, growing out of childhood or, you know, in college. And after that, understanding more about the Lord. But I always had a healthy respect for my parents, a godly honor of them and my, you know, the natural extended family, males and females. And I never had an issue with abuse. I never had anyone abuse me growing up. I never had anyone take advantage of me with their authority in a Christian sense. It was always respect. So I grew up with a healthy expectation of boundaries, reading the boundaries. My view of authority in males and females is more like if you're married, it's chain of command, Ephesians 5.21, and then it makes 5.22 easy. Because I saw it in all my family and friends that we would ever want to be close with. That's how I felt it was the call. I didn't know it was what they were doing, but it was chain of command. No one's dominating or slave or big ego. They just worked it out as a team, as a couple. And it turns out it was modeling to me Mutual submission and the fear of the Lord with the husband being the tiebreaker. And it's like Adam and Eve in the garden. Chain of command. No big deal. No legalism. Little woman, you're the subservient chattel in the ministry, in the home, and you do it all. No, they both did everything together. And whatever the gift was, they used it. You know, some people long ago said, oh, the man should be, do the books and the woman shouldn't because of just the way, you know, that's the legalism of certain groups, certain people. But my parents like, well, if it's not your gift, don't do it. And that's how I grew up. There was no Tavo, women don't do that. Little women, there was nothing. My grandmother had her own ministry. My aunt had a ministry. She was a pastor and her husband. I mean, really, my mother's a Bible teacher, pastor's wife. There's really not a big deal unless you make one. So I grew up with no limits except for if you get married, you you know, head of home, chain of command. And that's how I still feel. 
it wasn't till I got out into public ministry, started mingling and being sent to different kinds of Christians that I found out there's a lot of struggle in Christian ministry with certain styles because of the Ephesians 5.22. Ephesians 5.22 is like, women, you better submit. Well, that has been around the nation. You know that all the Christians, well, she's not in submission. Uh, better check on your, you know, better be submitted. That is in the middle class, low class, but middle class and maybe high income. But it's just in the grassroots. And it was not a struggle for me because I'd seen the first verse. They never say that one. They forget that before Ephesians 5.21, that there's five, before Ephesians 5.22, women obey your husbands, women submit. Then there is mutual submission in the fear of the Lord in the home. It's a valuable balance to some of this weird accusation or legalism under the law, little women, subservient women, which men ignorantly choose to use. I never heard of Levitical patriarchism. In fact, nobody's heard that term until the Lord gave it to me. It's really overseer shepherding. And nobody I knew was in that. In fact, they're rare if you don't speak in tongues. And because I came from Presbyterian, Methodist, and Baptist, mostly Baptist, white Baptist, it's more of a democracy. <laughs> People are just glad you show up. It's just not hoops jumping, bowing and scraping. Um, surely there's a personality somewhere that's dominating and you know, people can get off, but in general, you go to a Baptist church, you are welcome and they're glad to see you and they accept all colors, most of the ones I would see. When you go out to Dallas, man, those Baptists, they raise their hands and pray. Some of them, you know, in other words, it's not the religious spirit on some of them about this Phariseeism about you're a church hopper or, you know, legalism. They're just glad that you're part of a community. And that's what I'm looking for. Whether I go to an African-American church, they're really healthy, usually many of them, because they are open and friendly. And even if I walk in as pale as I am, they can read me and they know that I'm open to them if I'm sent. I mean, I went out to the famous Bishop's Church in Dallas and that they were one of the very fewest, warmest and Pentecostal, really knew the Holy Spirit and sincere, deeper groups. And I tried the one, two different ones they had out there and I was impressed at the fragrance of the quality of the Spirit and the genuine love of the Lord. It wasn't showbiz when I went. I went several times. However, whenever I go to really clean living healthy church like the baptist or some other group that's charismatic that is healthy the lord will say you're not needed here you can go you're not on assignment you need to go the physician needs to go where the doctrines are not good so that's how i ended up in a lot of this i was led and now i need a break from that i need to go where people are respectful and e-o-r-r -R, so i can just do my own ministry take off and help them and be feel like I've got a you know I'm really content, but I need more community because I am new in you know newer here, and so I've never had an issue with authority. It wasn't till I got over into studying the Holy Spirit, different kinds of group that were really country raised, white country, not the blacks, but the country raised that had an old timey history. It seems of Jezebel's or. Phariseeism, keeping track of everybody's business, 
you got to be under somebody. I'd never been around it because I was sort of, I was a junior minister, not that I was shallow or not understanding. I had no confidence. That's been my issue because my mom was sort of the queen of the, <laughs> of the house I, and she really kept me a tight rein. I just never, I had a hard time asserting this authority, which I have now. It took Dallas, a few big things like the assault, you know, things that were God was with me the whole time. It wasn't killing me, but it took me to get stripped of, you know, like, man, how do I get out of this dangerous things to make me lose that fear and get more solid in my own confidence in fact, one of the things I have remarked, because I was always sort of outnumbered with dominating, controlling people, marriage, family, you know, before that, not my dad, but well-meaning authority, but didn't know their, you know, they were blind. They didn't know how to not, what, what there is, there can be autocrats. There can be dominators, matriarchs, patriarchs. I'm not that. My dad is more... If you, if you think of types of authority, because I researched this, there's persuasive authority, reasoning, come, let us reason together, let us negotiate, let us work things out, let us be easy and treated. That's me. It's always me. Then there are others, autocrat, my way or the highway. And if not, we're going to get you. That's the other side, which I am not, but whelp is. Whelp can be. Surely within the whelp spectrum, the whelm spectrum, there are gentle people who are not autocrats. But the spirit itself is more like master-slave. Nobody knows it, how to have authority to be under everybody, over everybody, to maintain control, using all sorts of methods. That is a spirit. And it is... So much fruit, I teach on it because I don't want it out. You know, God doesn't want it out there. It's polluting the, the Holy Spirit prophecy, basically, and the spirit, Spirit-filled spirit tongues. Well, when I deal with a lot of Christians, I've always been sent. I, I really respect men, Christian men. And I'd never had to deal with being this forthright and bold till Texas because something about my spirit my untamed spirit that was not raised abusive, but my mother was strong, my grandmother, but my father was the balance. You know what I mean? There was just like a, an, just my natural energy. It triggers the white good old boy. <laughs> it triggers the ego, whether they're saved or not. And uh, I was just getting exhausted by that. I don't do anything ships show up and these spirits happen. So one of the things I learned from one who was... You know, and before I got to Texas and got this fiery, set free of fear of being overstepping my boundaries, which is usually what I did. I was timid because I didn't know, because I am strong, I didn't want to overwhelm people. I still don't. And I didn't know my boundaries as a female because nobody was like this. They were capable, but the churches don't have any role models much. And I purposely wanted to be feminine because I knew a lot of role models that were strong females were not very feminine or attractive. And I wanted to be a good witness of femininity as well, even though I'm stronger and I've, you know, haven't been working out. I'm not lazy. It's just been difficult to get going in the physical fitness like I was for all my life till right now with COVID and everything. No excuse. I'm still working on it. So, um, 
I think of great men and I think of my dad. I think, man, I'm so thankful he was, he was, he's up in heaven, but he has helped me paint a picture in my heart of a pastor, of a chief office that nobody ever knew except the Lord and a few people. And when he died, I found out how his life affected people. We had, he had quit pastoring. He was teaching school in downtown inner city, Norfolk, Virginia. And this was many years ago, decades ago, right after my daughter was born. And he took a field trip to North Carolina with his fourth graders. And he died at the Wright Memorial, walking up. And I'm not sad if I get misty. I'm just touched by the love. He had such love, a spirit of love, an anointing for love. Kimball Johnson, Jr. So he walked up the Wright Memorial and on the way up, he died, and went to heaven. It was like, just like that. No illness, no, you know, and he hated doctors. So what happened was all the newspapers up and down North Carolina, Virginia, got the word the school teacher died on the field trip and it went on all the news. Well, that caused people whose lives he had affected in teaching, just going to the pharmacy, just the natural daily people of life to come out of the woodwork and we saw what one life, even the church where he used to have in far, you know, two hours away that he pastored, all his silent, quiet dignity affected so many people that love, that servant leader love. That is my role model for trying to be that nice, you know, trying to be as calm and steady and peaceful and humble as my dad. So I'll have an energy that is, you know, not a, it may look like a matriarch, but it's trying hard not to be. It's more of a maven, a doctrinal connoisseur of theology of relationships and life, E-O-R-R. -R. But uh, because I was treated well and grew up respecting all people, including men, I never had an issue with needing to be beat them. I don't feel like I have to take their place. I want them to be the head of the home like God says. So if I ever got somebody God sent me and threw somebody in my way, I'm not looking. But if he ever sends me somebody, I'm going to say, well, what do you want me to do? Does this work with you? And, you know, what does God say to both of us about me? So I'm not trying to push anything I never have. And I really feel like parenting today, you just got to be a satellite, a parent, a spiritual parent. Let people ask, never dominate them, know how far to, you know, Go with them and just say, you got to hear God for yourself. Grow up. Don't be dependent on me and uh, try to hear God. But if you got a question, you need to know something or figure something out, feel free to ask. That's how my pastoring is. I am a pastor and I am an office, apostolic pastor, which is really an apostle. Here's the thing. Apostles, which is an apostle and a pastor, the apostle has lots of things they can do and should do and want to do. There's a lot of facets in this person and in the apostle. They'll have an energy about them. They'll have a desire. God will say, do that. I could do a TV station, frankly. I've had lots of hell on earth, you know, lots of warfare. But one of the things I'd love to have since 2002, when I had a vision, was one star television. I didn't know about Daystar because I hadn't heard of it, but one star would be Jesus Christ is the only star. I even got a theme song for it I wrote. 
and it would be multicultural persons, it would be very careful about money. It wouldn't be a money thing, but it would be showing a lot of diverse Christians, even ones in different languages. So if anybody wants to do that with me, help me pioneer it, let me know. I've had other ones which are ideas you can't happen unless God really births it. I had so much attack, so much attack in the on my in 20 years because of wealth, because of abuse. Now I'm free from that. But I had things that never happened, such as the, what was the word? The, oh, it was like the real green free zone or something like that. It was like people, ministers, and Christians come of all races. But when they get to the door, they turn green and leave their color at the door and they work through negotiating how to get along for the community. Real green free zone, that's it. Never really happened, but it's there. So I've got a lot of things that it takes more people than one, just one, and then I need a, I was married to a business person, and I am a creative thinker, artist, preacher, and prophet, and whatever. I am connoisseur of life and persons. But um, I need the balance to be brought that is the, uh, the administrator to get this going into the world, not just online. And I feel so great up here. I feel it's so fabulous that there's more of, on my part, an ability to trust in ministry and the basic average Christian so far. So we're looking for planting and diversity and then growing with our ministry on land. But in a passel... I've seen, Lord had me see a Christian apostle who never could delegate, and he was overwhelmed. And I realized that an apostle can think it up or hear God, but unless they have the right people to make it happen on the land, it will never happen. So I could have tons of things, which I do. I can have tons of really good game plans. I got a lot of game plans. I can help you with your game plan because I think like that. I think brainstorming, creative think tank. But I can never get them to manifest out of the air, out of the spirit, till I see the right people that I can trust to do it. I've tried. I even had a man's ministry, which I'm starting now, TCL Hard Drive, Dot com. We want more, you know, men to do it with me or, you know, I'll do some, they do the rest. But I even had one that I tried and I thought I had somebody in Dallas. I thought I had one called the man cave and I picked, I want a married man that he is very, you know, loyal to his wife. And then I want him to do his, like inside the man cave broadcast. I don't know if we're going to still do that, but I've had great ideas, but the attacks and the timing, I guess, wasn't right, or the condition of the world, some people, you know, and the condition of the quality of helpers that you couldn't find that were just really functional in certain parts of the nation. But this is a quality area, to my knowledge, it looks very functional, which is very healthy for me, because I don't just think white, and I don't just think me, I think of the ministry, but how to help the community, like a family. That's what I think. I think green, growing, thriving, not lording it over everybody, not being stifled, but just being healthy, balanced. Ephesians 5.21, Ephesians 4, basically my family and my theory of life and ministry. So we look at the condition of society. We look at the condition of society and we think, 
what's going on in the church that has create, allowed society to go this far? I've been thinking this for a decade. I've thought of it, and then I knew why before I moved up here. It's different. Up here, it's quality. I found out that you can live in one part of the nation and never have a clue what Christ Christians are doing under the name of Jesus Christ and being born again that you would never ever suspect and imagine or want to know. That's what EORR came out. Disrespect mean. <laughs> I tell you, money can turn people hard and also bias, bigotry, raised, I don't know, dysfunctional. The family is what another thing I thought, man, what's going on with the family? These people don't show up. They're dysfunctional. They're Christians and they'll rip you off and rob you blind. Take advantage. Look to... You know, and I never saw the vulture culture in my life till down there, the vulture culture of the underbelly of Christianity, born again, spirit filled, looking for the little woman to take advantage of the little woman. And I found horrible, 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 but God's grace. If you say to some groups that are that bad, a pornographic spirit, and you don't know it, the good old, you know, native, whoever this is, that type, certain ones, rarely. But I didn't know that existed in a culture, a Christian culture. And what they did, what I found the hard way, not knowing I was getting in near one of these, was that when you preach the scripture about the weak-willed women the men that come in and take advantage of the lust-filled women, that that was a sign, a symbol that they thought, oh, now women are there, they're full of lust, let's go get them. Can you, I mean, that is a prophet's discovery and it is that rancid. So when I see things, it makes me realize we gotta, it's urgent. It's been urgent. And then what's going on with the men uh, what's going on with the family? What's going on with business taking place of relationships? No respect in ministry, yet they want you to be under them. They don't want to know you. They want to own you. You know, it says, owe no man anything but love. Well, I mean, they'll owe anybody anything except love because they only want to get ahead, to make it big or look good, smell sweet or or plant their bigger work. That was the false church, the fruit of Babylon, ministry Babylon, which I never was the kind, you know, I'm pretty, pretty nice. I'm pretty calm and pretty easygoing, pretty patient. I used to hear years ago, when I lived in Virginia, more country area, more rural area, you know, you hear on TV or you hear these comments by people and they say, yes, Babylon, she's a, you know, a harlot. She's, it's Babylon. It's just Babylon. And you hear that sort of a Pentecostal thing. You think, oh my gosh, I wish they wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wish they wouldn't. It's so primitive. You know, you don't do that. Well, and you're there in the middle of it and you see it's mercenary and all about conquest, staging, playtime, plastic not sincere, not deep, running them ragged. And everything has to do with 
M-O-N-E-Y. Everybody, to me, it was nouveau riche. We used to be poor. Now we know how God can bless us. We got the formula to make it big. Our faith works. Let's get that money sowing and reaping. I'm not saying it's the top fell at faith. I'm not saying it's the faith crowd. It's the TV that has affected it. And the hearts of the people lost their first love. So when you think of people, all they want is to, it's status, it's materialism, it is even in occult following. Oh yeah, we go to the famous preacher's church, the famous prophet's church, the famous apostle's church, the one in California, the one in the East Coast, the one in the West Coast, the one in the uh, Oklahoma. We, we're, yeah, we're under them. And that's the common middle class. And then a lot of them have been raised that women are property out there. I wasn't exposed to anything like that. Caustic chauvinism and women are property, not valuable, and they are disrespected and demeaned and typecast and stereotyped in Christian ministry. Usually it was the charlatan Christian ministries that did it, the fakey ones. It still was a big red flag for my minute, you know, for the EORR, because you have to look at doctrines. When I see something strange, when I come across something really bad three times, I think, who are they? What kind of preachers are, you know, what kind of flow are they in in Bible? What are their doctrines? And I think I'm sent to the doctrinal bathwaters of this stuff. At one time, when it's like 2006 and seven, I was there 2005 to 2020. Plenty of time to notice a giant area. Plenty of time to notice the Christian community because you couldn't find a community. You could find competition or turf. <laughs> you found a lot of culture of red state country all wise, hardened by their, I guess, poor raising. Not all of them are like that, that are red state or white or country, but it was a subculture of dishonesty, toughness, and... Uh, chauvinism ministry and so when i see that i think you know therefore the grace of god go we all that we're not raised like that but it was a trigger of that's why all the people are in church religious spirit in church but that's why millions are not in church and i was meeting them out in the barista fellowship because i didn't feel respected i felt like i couldn't trust the basic floor level because i wasn't famous that's a protection to be famous in some ways. But I wanted to know the real deal. God wants me out in the turf to see what he sees. And I'm with the fruit of the top people. And I'm with the ones that say they're under them. That's my turf. The ones that say they're under them, following the TV preacher, quoting them back and forth, he or she, following the famous prophet, mean as snakes. <laughs> mean as snakes. <laughs> So I know the doctrine. I think, what's in their doctrinal bathwaters? <laughs> and you can find out what's in mine. So we're doing an equal opportunity, real respect out of all this. And then crying out to God for his mercy that love will come back to the church. With all the styling and high-fiving out there and anywhere in America. No wonder we're going through stuff. No wonder God said, "My, your time is up. 
back in, because I'm a prophet, and I was sent down there. I remember one time in 2007 or 2006, I'd seen so much. If they told, I had helpers that were male, and you find out if they got a girlfriend, they're living with them. Well, you can't be on stage and in a Christian in ministry and be on stage in stage ministry. You have to live a proper life according to the Bible if you're a real Christian, a real Christian. Well, then I found that for a while in this lev, you know, that neck of the woods, that if they said they were married, they really weren't. So I had to start. I really, even now, are you legally wed? I had to prove it. Are they legally wed? Because everybody said, oh, yeah, you know, no, no, they're married. No, they really weren't. So I was, I had to drop my helper, my only helper that was a musician, a great musician, because he wasn't living right. And I, I've done a lot of things like that. That's why I don't have a lot of people. I can't do it unless the Lord sends me people that will live the life, pay the price, show up, and be the real deal, nice person that they present themselves to be. And I just couldn't do it. So it was me and the, you know, me growing up, but also I had to develop my drill sergeant. That's why I have to get stronger because they are that bad. Some of these people that are Christians are that bad. And I think a lot of you who are employers may know that. Not all are that bad. I don't mean to ream everybody out, but it is such a big wake-up call because it's dirt, a lot of dirt, a lot of hell that America is now in because the church isn't doing right to train people and the parents are raising good old boys, good old girls who have no conscience except ego. So I went down there as the prophet. I didn't realize it could be like that. I was like Daniel. I felt like I was Daniel carted off to Babylon for 15 years. I mean, really, in the safest place was the gym and the Starbucks. And I mean it at the time. Those were the nice, trustworthy areas. Diverse, respectful, E-O-R-R. Even though they're paid to, man, they surely were nice. Nice to not have gender bias in that. I didn't have it up here. I didn't have it in Virginia. I had it down there, and that's what woke me up to racism. If it's that bad for me, what are they doing to the dark-skinned peoples? Got me on my soapbox of E-O-R-R. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Dallas. So then, one time I was out in one part of town, maybe it's toward, oh, what is it, 30, one of those way out there, Rockwall 30, and I had been around the town three years, two or three years, and found these shocking, shocking discoveries of what Christianity is being portrayed as ministry, fivefold office ministry. And I would go from one test run in one part of town, and the same country culture that knew could quote the word backwards and forwards and rob you blind, I kept meeting them. And when I was there, the prophet kicked in, the real prophet. And I said, you know, Lord, the apostle prophet, I said, Lord, I keep seeing this. And Elijah, Elijah, the prophet, he had only 850 prophets to deal with. You've given in this area there at least 1,200. And that is only a few of the ones out here. And I mean it. That's how bad it is. So when the shaking, the quaking, the COVID, all this stuff had happened, I'm not half at all surprised. I'm, my heart is broken for this, for COVID. My heart is broken for the Christians. My heart is broken for the ministers. But you know what? I'm a prophet and I saw it. Nobody wanted to hear me. 
They didn't like me because I don't play games. I'm not Mickey Mouse. I'm not looking for money. I'm not looking to build my kingdom. Nobody liked me because I wasn't into big bucks. The issue when the car camping came, it was to me a shocking sign. The Lord said, this is better be warning them. Some of these people that are that bad, that mean, that tough, that high horsing are going to live in it. And just like the prophet Ezekiel, who lived, lay on his side for 350 days, whatever the amount of time is, some of these people are going to, and I'm going to tell you how to do it well. Enjoy your life. Feel professional. Take off. Enjoy meeting people. First responder style. Go to the gym. Go to gym. Three or four like I do. Just don't let it. All you have to do is, you know, go to the Starbucks. Work as much as you want. But it is still an adjustment. And it took me really amazing, wonderful places. But I'm one that can handle it. It doesn't bother me. I'm an athlete. You know, basically, I'm a person who's healthy and come from first responders, helping the homeless. I love helping people like that. I can't do it all the time till I get more established here. But I, I'm not a respecter of persons. I respect them all equally. Very valuable. I love their backstories. I really do. So when I found out that the hoity-toities, those that used to be poor, seem like the worst ones that used to be poor. Now they're on easy street. They made it big. They're the gentry, the gentry, the charismatic gentry were mine worst personal nightmares. And I only could think as a prophet, these people are asleep. They're out of touch with reality. They're jaded. They have seen it all, heard it all. Now they're sorry for themselves. They're so poor in their own eyes because they've lost their compassion, their sharp edge. Now they're sort of fading into the woodwork in their complacency. And I thought, man, that's scary. So 80s moves, 90s moves, better watch it. Because you are the ones basically that are on easy street. And the Lord gave me the scripture. There are a lot of people, not just that crowd, but a lot of them around the area, the whole area, the red state area. I was like, you have... What is it? The old scripture, it says, you're in want of nothing. You are in need of nothing. I had gotten about, I'd met a homosexual gay person. And when I was in Murphy in a house and he came to be a transcriber and I found out he was a gay person. So I said, well, um, are you Christian? And he said, I used to be. And so he turned out he'd been raped by the priest. He told his father when he was in high school and his father did it. So people have backstories. Do not be uh, critical of people. So ended up, we talked more, and he was fascinating, very intelligent. And he baked for the poor, and he helped us. You know, I don't condone, but I accept and want to hear and love. And my friend and I, you know, just I respect him. So the thing is, he told me, which I loved. I love it when people are so passionate they're not lukewarm. A lot of gay people are not lukewarm. The Christian is. The Hindu is not lukewarm. The liberal is not lukewarm. So we want to make sure we're balanced. Well, this man, this gentleman, the gay community guy, he said, I studied the scripture. Oh, he said, I used to be a Christian, but this was what happened. And he had so many other things that were bad about Christians that did things to him. 
So I wanted to hear his story. So he said, well, I researched and the Bible says, I found 333 scriptures that warns you about the homo- the heterosexual, and I only found nine that warns you about warns you about the homosexual. <laughs> I thought this guy is good. Yeah, I mean he's really done some work here. So he's the one. I'll be honest. He's the one that told me about the sins of Sodom. In Ezekiel, Google the sins of Sodom. Well, that was about probably 2010. And I'd seen the worst. I was seeing the worst trash that said they were Christian ministers. I was seeing it and seeing it and seeing it. I was grieving, concerned for the soul of their souls and the sake of the witness of the Lord and our nation. Really. So this guy shows me the sins of Sodom. Well, if you look up the sins of Sodom, it was the church. (laughs) Not helping the poor, proud have plenty of food, but they don't help the poor. There's, you know what I mean? And I went, oh my gosh, how can we put down anybody for the sins of Sodom? I know there's much more to this story about the sins of Sodom, but how can we do it if we're not living it ourselves, Christian? So I'm not going to have some pity party. What really bugs me, and I'll say it right now, all these people I was trying to stir up, all these people I was trying to wake up that are plastic spirit-filled ministers, all these people that didn't want to give me the time. You know, I wanted to get this going to help people. All these people on for decades now, 12 years. Oh, America, you know, those sinners, those people that are not like us, those people that are not Christians, they're bringing America down to judgment. How long have we heard that? 20 years, 30 years? Oh, yeah, it's the sinner. Let's have revival. Those sinners are doing it. Let's get those sinners because they're doing it. When really, that's the opposite. Not a soul seemed to have known Second Corinthians, uh, excuse me, Second Chronicles 7.14. When I was growing up, maybe in the 70s, maybe in the 80s, when I was with pastor's gatherings, you know, in Virginia, maybe they're still doing it now in the 90s, but it says, if my people, my people, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and hear their land. But who heard of that? Nobody has heard of that in years. Now they're desperate. Now the election. Now they're going to be, you know, a little more humble. But I saw tons of stuff that was so bad, and I'm not accusing. I'm telling you, this is testimony of a prophet who assesses and then judges only fruit. And this is about the fruit. It was tainted, toxic, caustic, plastic, and also self, 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 me-centric. And when this happened, I had had a word a prophetic word, September 16th. I wrote it online. I can still bring it out. I went to the Lord one day. He said, I want you to read Acts 2. So I thought, yeah, I remember Acts 2. It's the book of, you know, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit comes, it's the rush of a mighty wind. So I thought, I'll read about the rush of the mighty wind. When I read the part about the rush of the mighty wind, like the book of Acts, the word turned into flush. And the Lord said, there's going to be a coming flush of my Holy Spirit to flush out the character of ministry, and it will be ongoing. That was September prior to COVID in 2020. This was 2019. And I looked when I got that word from the Lord and wrote it up. I thought, yeah, it. I can see that, Lord. I can see it. I had no clue about COVID. 
but it will continue. It will continue. And some of these things that we're talking about today should be not there. And some of the people that are high and righteous and mighty and playing games and faking it, Eli, you know, all this stuff, they're going to be gone. Some of them are going to be invisible. So when I talk on whelp, I love my whelp brethren around here. I really do. I really care for these people. A lot of whelp are good people, clean living and, you know, good fruit. But I had a word for 20 years that one day, and I'm concerned, and I'm not putting it on the ones that I know and respect, but I'm saying, listen anyway, in case you know there is a heart problem with you, any of you, a few of you. But because I'd seen too much in too many states, especially critical judging and gossiping, really gossiping and accusing people you've never spoken to, gossiping and tail-bearing, and then it's online, and then it's in the national news, people on radio doing it to other Christians. It's Christian against Christian stuff. Talking about them, putting them down. I've seen it from pulpits, calling names, calling them name it and claim it on radio. People are have been doing it for a long time, all my life. So in 2000, I'd just been through it with Pharisee, you know, all the accuse and gossip around town and on news and things. And the Lord gave me a word. And he said, when my spirit really moves in the last days, I will not settle for second or third hand servanthood. And I wrote it for my last encouraging word in 2000, I believe. When my spirit moves, it's not going to be, I will not settle for what I used to. And it will be so important for everyone to be mature and get along and give be a community that witnesses like the transformed community of Ephesians 4, diverse, not critical, not divided, not turf protecting, mature, knowing their common doctrine and relationship respect. He said, it will be like the day, it will be like taking the Lord's Supper. If you take the Lord's Supper, it's called communion. That's like a harmony, a community in the spirit when you take it because you're all in agreement it said in the bible in corinthians i believe in the first church that some of the people were doing it wrong you know corinthians is the carnal church basically the seaport church divided carnal so the letter is giving the instructions to the seaport church and it said that had to correct him and said, some of you are getting drunk on the wine <laughs> and some of you are not discerning. You're failing to discern the Lord's body correctly and you're sick because you're not discerning the Lord's, you're not taking the communion properly with reverence and a holy fear of the Lord. And some of you are dying young and you don't know why. Some of you are sick and you don't know why because you're failing to discern the Lord's body correctly during communion, the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's word in 2020 was, when my spirit moves, it will be important to have community that people recognize by its fruit of love, fear of the Lord, and respect. Basically, all the values in Ephesians 4, community, humility, the transformed picture in that book, Ephesians 4, of a uh, transformed Christian church 
then affects society, which we don't have now. It's coming, though, I believe. He said, when that time comes, this is 2020, he says, if people are not working to keep humility and community, if they're gossiping and backbiting and not confronting and they're telling tales and they're criticizing and doing things they've never talked to the person, but they know all about them and tail-bearing, false witness. If they are calling them these names, I saw her, she's a, you know what, a Jezebel, but never talked to her. I saw him and he looked like he was committing fornication and he, you know, you never talked to him. All these things are big body issues. And the Lord said, if people are not obeying and submitted to my word only, some will die young and some will be sick and they won't know why. And I'd watch out for that. We're at that time. We're getting to be in that time. If not, we're already there. So part of this gossiping, believing the evil report, jumping people in public you've never talked to, staring them down but not loving. I'm not putting that on you, really. I don't want a word curse. But I'm saying some people are that terrible. They need this word. Some people need to be quickly repenting and humbling themselves, male or female, to avoid God's judgment. God's judgment. I really felt it from my word for years for the carnal mixture church. Not the ones that are the remnant. This is not a remnant word. They're already doing this, working on themselves, black or white. This is for whomever, and it's all colors of ministry. There for the grace of God go I. Now, when I speak a lot lately on this type of thing and what hasn't gone well or Christians in the whelp thing and the witch watching and all that stuff, it's because we're winding down from that era to a new era and we want to be ready so we don't have God's judgment. I, because people have not been in my shoes, a lot of people have not been jumped in public. A lot of people have blended in their book, you know, by the book people, everybody, you know, they're all white and they're whelp. They get along and nobody understands this. Why are you so outspoken? Why are you so talking about it? If you've seen and been where I've been so many times, and on behalf of other people, the everyday person, the black person, the brown person, you would be this fiery too. I agree. Let's all agree, red state people. Forgetting what lies behind. That's part of it. Forgiving. I've forgiven. I forgive easily. Listen, after all that, hey, nothing bothers me, frankly. I get disappointed. I get discouraged when I think I can find a happy fellowship I love. Then they turn out to have the whelp spirit embedded and it comes out at me sometimes. That bothers me. It's stirred. You know, I have to leave because I'm not going to be demeaned or accused without being spoken to, you know, a Christian. But I bring it up. Let's say why. Forgetting what lies behind. Forgive and forget. Be like sweet baby Jesus. Turn the other cheek. Walk the extra mile. That's what the easy going, you know, what people who have it easy have never been through all this. They think, and I think it too, it's part of scripture, forgiving, I do for that. But if you want to, in my shoes, the prophet's shoes here, if you want to forget and never think of it again, which is my style, preferred style of leadership, however you walked 
to your local friendly fellowship and that spirit is there again, it jumps out at you and attacks, you got to do something. What are you going to do? You're just going to think God is saying, still keep on talking about it because it's still alive. It hadn't been put to death yet. That spirit of religion, the evil spirit of whatever that is, seeing witches, spooky stuff, but not a heart that is must be not circumcised. To be able to tolerate that and accept that as a norm of Christianity and prophecy or any other kind of part of the Christian faith. So we're not condemning those that are quality, that are trying to do good. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God, as Jesus said in the Beatitudes. However, if your heart is not pure, if you have ought against women, females, your mother, a pastor, uh, you know, you've seen too many Jezebels and you haven't repented of being an accuser, then your heart is not pure and you're going to miss it. You're going to be a Pharisee or one that is in false teaching. And that's what this part of the spirit of prophecy is. Not all of it. Whelp is false teaching. So is, you know, just getting spooky. That is a doctrinal judgment, not a personal accusation. But I feel passionate because I had to deal with it lately. That's why. I've had to deal with it several times lately. And it bothers me that I have to do that now. After all, people don't. I think the prophetic movement is so full of itself, maybe. They have not been out of whelp company in any other kind. Like I have been around all different kinds for many years. They've been in their own mix for so long. They've gotten saturated with this style of like, oh yeah, it's fine to see a Jezebel and a stranger who's smiling and peaceful. Uh, So we're cautioning you about that. And we want to be alert, aware, and not sedentary in our customs, our favorite customs, our habits, our trails, our red state. We're the only way See, I can deal with the liberal because I respect them. I don't may not agree with them. I, I agree with life, you know, not abortion. But I want to hear their story because it is, they're usually not lukewarm. I enjoy anybody, frankly, who's not lukewarm. I've had too many Christians that are lukewarm. I think God is thrilled when people are passionate about their cause. I'm thrilled that they're, unless they're mean, I'm thrilled when people are passionate about their cause, no matter what their cause is, unless it's evil, the devil himself, you know what I mean? So I love to hear somebody different. I've heard all kinds and it doesn't offend me. Nothing, practically nothing horrifies me unless I see somebody staring me down like a whelp. That's the only thing. I'm so tired of it. It's wearying. If I see somebody, oh my gosh, I thought we had a great place here. I loved it. I loved it. Oh no, there it is. Oh gosh, I don't pass their test. I don't pass their muster. They've seen fault. <laughs> so anyway, God is good. His mercy endures. I gotta go. This is Tavo Diarcy signing off for now. Let's make it for Jesus now, not us. It's about him, not me, not you not doctrine. It's about the Lord. Bless you. Bye-bye.